Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. Yay! I love Funk Radio. I love Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your host, Peter. So, Kyle, on this yes. show, we've talked about... I mean, obviously we're a music podcast, but we've talked about um, video games a number of times, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen too often. Um, but, you know, we, we've managed to squeeze out a few topics out of it. Yes. This this one, though, this one's a bit different, and I think this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I I don't remember how this subject came up. Oh, I kind of have to. I mentioned something about 50 Cent having a video game. Which got me thinking, like, I wonder if other musicians or artists have video games or star in video games outside of just their music being in the game. Like, if they have a character in the game or whatever. Right. So, we did research, and that is what this uh, episode is about. It's musicians that have their own video games. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty amusing concept, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, I, yeah, this I, is great. I will say that there are other in like we so we have a list we picked out five games to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, I think it'll take us some time to get through them, but uh, I, I do not think this is every instance of this. So listeners might be like, "Hey, how can we talk about Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> Smash Brothers?" Well, <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine someone dying in in Super Smash Brothers and then just. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> anyway, that that was a wacky way of saying that there are other ones out there. Um, these are just ones that we picked out because they seem uh, amusing to talk about and interesting. Um, yeah. I, I also noticed that there were a lot of cases of like musicians or singers or bands or whoever like making cameos in games, but like the game isn't about them. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah, we tried to condense it to ones where the plot or the characters revolve around the artists as opposed to the artists just appearing in the game for whatever random reason. Yeah. So we're going to kind of go in chronological order here. (laughs) You can't have a video game with musicians in it without having the most famous musician of all time, (laughs) Michael Jackson. So apparently Michael Jackson had his own video game. (laughs) In 1990, a game came out called Moonwalker. Originally came out as a home computer game, or I guess PC game, that was published by a video game company back then called US Gold, and it was released on the Amiga, some of these systems I haven't even heard of, the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, which I assume is a souped-up version of the Atari, Commodore 64, it came out for DOS, which confuses me dos was the old pre-microsoft you know green and black text system (laughs) so for lack of a better term yeah it came out for the all the old systems back then pre-nintendo i feel like that even the concept of the pc hadn't completely solidified true as well because you like that whole list of those are all like different types of computers whereas now it's basically Mm -hmm. like a pc or mac the funny thing, now that I'm realizing it, is that the original Nintendo came out in 1985, and yet this game wasn't out for it. I'm wondering if because the Nintendo didn't have the graphical power to handle Michael Jackson yet. <laughs> uh, that's possible. 
Now there the in addition to the home computer version, there was also um, a version published by Sega released on their Genesis and Master System consoles. Oh nice. Okay. So it's possible that there was some agreement that uh, for any console based version of the game, maybe it was exclusive to Sega. Yeah, very good point. I know Sega and Nintendo were in a pretty big battle at that point. Yeah. Uh Sega advertised that they had better graphics than Nintendo because they had I believe 16 or 30 yeah, 16 bit graphics whereas Nintendo at the time only had 8 bit. Mm. They used to even have an old commercial where they said like Sega does what Nintendo don't. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah. That was like the best marketing they they ever came up with because eventually they, you know, collapsed, but uh they definitely competed with Nintendo at the time. Got him a nerd. <laughs> um there was also an ar- arcade version of of michael jackson's moonwalker oh my god i need that i need an arcade cabinet with michael jackson on it the the interesting thing though that i found because if you look up gameplay or even just like research about kind of those three categories it's a mm-hmm. different game in each of those categories yeah so i was having trouble with that when i was trying to find more research about it so yeah you're right yeah that I think maybe due to this, maybe the graphical limitations of different systems that it was on, maybe yeah. they kind of changed the gameplay and the plot a bit. But yeah, you're right. The the three ga- the, there was basically what three games all within this Michael Michael Jackson I don't know game universe. <laughs> so a bit confusing. Yeah, it, it's it's like they all kind of like represented the same story. I mean, because they they were all based because Moonwalker was a movie, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. I believe so. Um, they they were all based on that. Yeah, Moonwalker is a um, Michael Jackson movie, so this is based on that. But to I seems to notice that there was like a lot of overlap be- between those three versions. But like graphically, mm-hmm. they were all, they were all very different, at least. And I was reading that there was like gameplay differences too. Okay, yeah, it's saying here that the versions of the game were released on eight bit and sixteen bit home computers. So that pretty much there, explains. There's it, probably yeah. different graphic different graphics for the different systems that it came out for. And then you're right, there was an arcade version that was more, I don't know, arcade points based. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, when you're designing a game for an arcade, it's a very different prompt because you're really, you're trying to get people in and then to keep spending money and, like, kill them quickly so that they had to keep putting quarters in and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with, like, a home-based game system, you know, it's a completely different story. But then, like you said, like different types of machines have different capabilities and they were all kind of around at the same time. Mm. So they all kind of did the best that they could, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I do remember when I was researching this, I did find a website that had an emulator where you could actually play the game on your PC through, uh, I guess, the internet. Yeah. And I sent it to you. I only played it for about five minutes because i kept dying and being confused by the controls but what was your impression of it yeah i played it for probably about at least 10 minutes um and i got into the second level it was it took me a while to get a hang in the controls and i never like quite mastered them but Mm -hmm. um it it also took me some time to figure out what i was trying to do so from what i can tell you're michael jackson you're quite literally like dancing around each level uh, shooting magic at bad guys and to make them go away. 
And then all <laughs> uh, amidst all this, you're also saving the children, apparently. So as you're going through the level, you find scared children and they go, Michael, and then you save them. <laughs> and I, I think you have to save a certain number of children. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can you jump in that game? I couldn't figure out how to jump. You can jump. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize for the first long time that you can open doors. Oh, and I what? finally figured out how to, how to open doors. And then I realized, oh, like half the time children are hiding behind the doors. So that's where the rest of them were. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I figured out how to attack, so I was just doing the hee-hee kick <laughs> at the different bad guys, and, like, fairy dust was flying yeah. at them and killing them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh... So, obviously, we can't... We're really, with all these games, we can't speak to them with a Visually, level yeah. of understanding that someone who's played through the entire thing. But, uh... Yeah, I, I would play through more of it if I could get the controls down. Yeah, part of me wants to, because I remember I made that little fake Game Boy or whatever. That Game Boy runs emulators. I, part of me wants to see if I can get it on there. Oh, you probably could. So, I will uh, update you if that happens. So, <laughs> basically, yeah. So, basically, uh, one thing to note in the game, too, is that the soundtrack for the game is oh, yeah. basically like 8-bitty chiptune versions of a bunch of Michael Jackson songs that are kind of like instrumental versions of his songs. And the song that plays in the first level uh, is Smooth Criminal, which I thought was yeah. funny. Um, I found a little clip of the, I, I guess, game soundtrack version of it if you want to play it for the listeners. Yeah, sounds good. Funny, the 8-bit version is actually kind of catchy. Yeah, I thought I thought it worked pretty well as I was playing. I did find myself wishing that I could like change music tracks on the fly in mm. the game, just because like if you're playing it for ten minutes and the, uh, that on loop at some point, it's like, eh, I want it to cycle through other songs too. But uh, no, yeah, it's, it's a good rendition for sure. I did like that you could he he kick people and just do little twists and even the way that he would like fall down or go downstairs or there was one thing where I figured out you could like slide down the stairs railing, um, what? but I couldn't figure out how to do it again because <laughs> <laughs> of the controls. But I did, I did accidentally do it one time. So nice. it's very, it has a, definitely has a lot of Michael Jackson flair to it, which I think was the yeah, point. Um, that's cute. So Michael Jackson had flair. So how how were there how how was this recepted at the time? Uh, basically, the critical reviews of the game were kind of mixed. A review publication called Your Sinclair compared it to other games at the time called Gauntlet and Operation Wolf, saying that it was well animated and quote a surprising amount of fun. Megatech, which was a publication dedicated to the um, old Mega Drive video game system, uh, said that. The version had was an addictive platform game that had, quote, excellent graphics, which I guess at the time it probably did. It, they were bad. I mean, obviously they're not 
up to today's standards, but I I felt like it captured him as a person or as a persona pretty well. It definitely seemed very much more like of a Sega game than like a game that would ever be on Nintendo, so yeah, I can definitely yeah. see how it got ported to Sega. Reviews were mixed, wasn't great, wasn't bad. I mean, I'm sure it lives on now because Michael Jackson's dead. Spoiler alert. So as we said at the beginning of the episode, there's a lot of games that like we're not going to talk about. Yeah. In many of these cases, actually, these people, that, like, for example, Michael Jackson, uh, there was actually, there's actually a Wikipedia page that's like about Michael Jackson-based video games. <laughs> there were like, I think maybe like one cameo and like a couple that were never actually finished. Oh, geez. But uh, one, another one that was finished several years later in 2010 was called Michael Jackson The Experience. Basically, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've ever played like Just Dance or a game similar to that. Um, yeah, I think so. Kind of like motion control, like follow the dance moves. Yeah. Sort of game. It's like that, but it was only with Michael Jackson's songs. Um, so we're not going to get into that. I just wanted to kind of mention it as he had at least one other game. I can take it. That was after he died, though, right? Because... He died in 2009, I think. Yeah, I think so that right. was about it. Yeah, because I know there was kind of like a resurgence of love for him mm-hmm. after his passing. So Postu- um, Posthumously, yeah. That happens a lot with artists. So the next game up is a little bit newer. Uh, it came out in 1994, and it's called Revolution X. It's an arcade game <laughs> featuring Aerosmith, and it was published by uh, the company Midway. I don't know if they're still around, but they're actually they were a pretty big uh, game developer for a long time. I'm gu- I'm gonna guess that they the name probably exists. I don't know if it's like the same original company. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Game companies get bought and consumed and renamed and all that stuff. Yeah. So it was published by them in '94, and the game f- features the rock band Aerosmith. I guess the gameplay is similar to another game that they created for um, the movie Terminator Two. So there was a video game tied to it called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And in this Revolution X game, players battle the oppressive New Order Nation and their leader Helga, who has abducted Aerosmith. (laughs) Uh, Pretty wacky. Yeah, the the plot's pretty interesting. Basically... The players use a mounted gun that they control where they control on-screen crosshairs and shoot enemies using compact discs or CDs. Yeah, I was watching some gameplay of this and it's I, I don't know if it was to make it less violent or if it was just how do we somehow work music into this thing? Let's shoot <laughs> CDs at them. Yeah. Basically, yeah, you have to shoot things to save Aerosmith. The soundtrack um for the game, similar to the Michael Jackson game, features several um, instrumental versions of Aerosmith songs, uh, including songs like Eat the Rich, Sweet Emotion, Toys in the Attic, and Walk This Way. You know, they're big hits. Mm. I did find a little... I found the whole soundtrack or whatever um, on YouTube, actually, but I found a clip of one of their songs, Eat the Rich. Uh, We can play a little clip of it for the listeners.
it's funny you could at least from a technical standpoint you can see how video game music evolved a little bit just in those four years it sounds a little bit more yeah has more clarity to it i guess less yeah. eight bit sounding definitely a lot of like advancement in game technology in the 90s yeah for sure. that'd be i know because we always come up with episodes on the fly while we're talking uh that would be an interesting topic at some point is the evolution of video game sound and or music yeah well, because I know we have one kind of earmarked for, um, maybe we don't. I, I know we've said like, hey, we should, oh no, we do have one earmarked for chiptune music, but I wonder mm-hmm. if we should expand that into the evolution of video game music over time, because it kind yeah. of started with more chiptune almost, but then like mm-hmm. showing like how uh, technology improved and it you know became better. True. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yay, new ideas. So... Similar to um, the Michael Jackson uh, Moonwalker game, this game received mixed reviews. Uh, not not bad, not great. Video game magazine at the time, GamePro, gave the arcade version of the game a, a really good review, uh, praising its ability to choose multiple paths, as well as having numerous secret items, sharp graphics, and the Aerosmith soundtrack. Uh, they concluded that, quote, Rev X is not a revolution in gun games, but it's definitely the best one yet. Hmm. Now again, this is 1994. You know the the concept of even a first person based shooting game, yeah, was pretty novel at the time. I mean, shit. When did Doom come out? 1993. So yeah, Doom, which is technically the first pseudo 3D first person shooter game, came out a year prior. I guess due to the popularity of the arcade version of the game, they ended up porting it over to uh, DOS computers, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, the PlayStation, and the Sega Saturn. I want to see the PlayStation version. That'd be hilarious, because PlayStation technically had 3D graphics before Nintendo or 64 did. So I I couldn't figure out whether Aerosmith appeared throughout the game, or if they were they, just at the end when you save they're them. They're basically like the Princess Peach of the game. <laughs> they they don't really appear that much, but you have to save them. They probably just like pop up and like, hey, save us. And then they fly away in a UFO. Help me, Mario. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine that it, since this was an arcade game, big flashy graphics, um, a gun that you could shoot probably has pictures of Aerosmith, you know, plastered all over the side. I imagine this was largely, I mean, really in all of these cases... They're capitalizing on the name True. of the person or people that they're promoting. But um, in a case like that, I mean, it's the gameplay itself. You're not playing as Aerosmith. Sadly. Sadly. So uh, I guess that's one way. I think that's the only game in this list that's like that. I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah. So luckily um, in the next game we're talking about, which actually came out the same year, you do play as the titular character that it's named after. Probably my my favorite game on this list, uh, just because of its absurdity, is the game Shaq Fu, uh, named after Shaquille O'Neal, uh, the basketball player slash rapper, slash entrepreneur, slash oh. DJ. No, he actually DJs now. Oh, does he? That's cool. Yeah. And for listeners who don't know, we did an episode a few years ago about Shaq's um, rap career. It was amazing. That's a, that's a good one. So, obviously... We couldn't have a list like this without including Shaq in it. Yeah, because Shaq. So Shaq Fu um, came out in 1994. 
It was developed by EA Electronic Arts. They're definitely still around. And it was released on the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. It was eventually ported to the game, the Sega Game Gear, which is the their version of the Game Boy, basically. Uh, the Nintendo Game Boy, the Commodore Amiga. Uh, it was ported to these systems like a year later in 95. And so the game was developed by a company, Delphine Software, which is now defunct. Uh, it was published by Electronic Arts. It features uh, Shaquille O'Neal as the player character. So the plot, the plot of this game might be the wackiest of any of the games in this list. Shaquille O'Neal walks into a dojo while heading to a charity basketball game in Tokyo. After speaking with a martial arts master named Lautsu, Lautsu, I don't know, he goes into another dimension Hmm. called the Second World, where he must rescue a young boy named Nezu from the evil mummy Set Ra. Sounds about right. Apparently this game, when they were first, you know, conceptualizing it, was pitched as a basketball game. Uh, but it ended up becoming a fighting game after talking with Shaq, who was a self-proclaimed fan of Mortal Kombat. So the company Delphine uh, acknowledged that they really couldn't compete directly with another popular game at the time, Street Fighter II, um, from mm. a technical perspective, as far as like graphics and technical uh, okay. fighting programming ability. Yeah. So instead, they um, built the game more around the strengths of the company, which at the time was the computer animations of the characters so basically like they couldn't make a game that was as technically what's the word time accurate as say street fighter which was Mm -hmm. you know so beloved that it basically spawned tournaments where people just competed and played street fighter right so i guess they focused on you know having slick you know pixel art animations and stuff that's smart of them to do that though like if they if for them to know like hey we can't really pull this off but here's what we do well let's try to use this i think that's yeah. smart on their part reviews for the shack game surprise surprise were kind of mixed that same publication game pro uh gave the super nintendo version positive reviews saying that uh the small size of the sprites on screen is balanced by the incredibly fast game speed and they praised the quote ultra sharp controls and impressive digitized graphics <laughs> i found another review that i found pretty hilarious by the magazine uh, electronic gaming monthly i don't know if they're still around but i definitely remember at least having a couple copies of that magazine as a kid um hmm. on the SNSS, the super nintendo version they said quote while i'm still confounded by the fact that shack is here parentheses why <laughs> I do like the animation and the graphics. Even the music was extremely well done. In fact, the only element that really lacks here is the control. This is too slow to beat. It's very hard to play a decent game, especially when the computer can take you down in a matter of seconds. Hmm. So basically, they were just saying that the the controls for Shaq were a bit laggy, so it was a tough game to kind of be faster than the computer characters, enemies. Right. So I guess apparently it was a very tough game. I'm seeing a um, a common thread here with some of the reviews of these games of people being like, I don't know why this is a thing, but it's actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, why was this made? It's it's not bad. Yeah. It's not terrible. So yeah, Shaq Fu came out in 1994, right? Well, apparently somebody 
decided that game was good because in 2018, they decided to crowdfund a sequel to the original game, and it was called uh, Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn. Um, it was developed for the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and, and the Nintendo Switch. And it was developed by a studio called Mad Dog Games. I think it got, like, decent reviews. It's, it's obviously full 3D now. It's not like sprites anymore. And it's more of, like, a beat-em-up game, if I remember, where, like, multiple enemies will come at you at once and you gotta fight them off. Um, and it's right. more like a 3D perspective, not just side-scrolling. If you do ever play Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn, Kyle, be sure you get the DLC for Barack Fu, The Adventures of Dirty Barry, where you get to play as Obama. That and you amazing. fight Kanye West. Wait, seriously? Yes. <laughs> In outer space. Oh my god. So yeah, that's um, that's Shaq Fu. Uh, the next game, the fourth game in our list, is also a rap-based game. Wu-Tang Shaolin style. And it revolves around the Wu-Tang Clan. I had never heard of this one. I haven't either. So this game came out in 1999 for the PlayStation... And it was published by the company Activision, which, as we know, is now Activision Blizzard. They are a gigantic company. The game's story is not as bizarre as Shaq Fu, but still pretty weird. It's pretty um, close. I watched the um, like the cutscenes at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's pretty close to the Shaq thing. Nice. So. The game is featuring the actual rap group Wu-Tang Clan, which, for those of you that don't know, has, like, a shit ton of different members. Yeah, there was, like, a character select screen, and there was, like, ten different options. Yeah, there's a lot of Wu-Tang members. I don't know how many guys there are, but... Some uh, members actually even provided voiceover work, so that's nice. Well, I would hope so. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, we're gonna make a game about you, but we're not gonna use your voices. The story is told through full-motion video sequences that tells the tale of a group of martial artists studying under Master Zin, the last practitioner of the ancient Kung Fu discipline of Wu-Tang. The first uh, full-motion video sequence shows a small army of warriors under the watchful eye of Meng Zhu. He declares his plans to discover the secrets of Wu-Tang from Master Zin, who has discovered to be hiding out in Staten Island in New York. And... By discovering the powers of Wu-Tang, it will presumably give him the power to take over the world. Soon after, Master Zin is captured, uh, Mong Zhu's uh, henchman, and the Wu-Tang clan vow to track him down and rescue their master. So, yeah. <laughs> and then it's, after that, it's basically a fighting game. Why did games back then even try to have plots? I, I don't know. I think it's pretty fantastic that they, if they're going to have a plot, they might as well have something like this. Right? Yeah, it's, uh, so it's a 3D fighting game it it seemed a little arcade like in a way yeah yeah definitely seems seems fairly um mortal Kombat inspired i mean obviously mortal Kombat yeah. moved into 3d but with the whole like finishing moves and gratuitous blood and whatnot yeah i was noticing that too as you said the gameplay is kind of like a tournament tournament style fighting game with matches ranging between two to four fighters at once where either Every fighter is kind of for themselves. It can be a two-on-two match, a one-against-three. And I guess that fighting system was specifically developed by the uh, company that made this game called Paradox Development. 
they created this unique game engine that allowed for sort of multiplayer fights as opposed to just one-on-one, which has always kind of been the case in fighting games up to that point. Right. So they definitely were trying to take advantage of, you know, newly 3D computer developments to allow players to kind of fight multiple bad guys at once, which up to that point in fighting games hadn't been done. So that's kind of cool. It did kind of break some ground in that way. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, only a few years before this... We had Shaq Fu. <laughs> I mean, Shaq Fu, if you think about like how limited technically that was, mm-hmm. I mean, that was only five years before this. Yeah. So It's funny. I think people really underestimate like the explosion that games graphical technology had between like 95 and 2000 we literally went from like yeah super nintendo 16-bit graphics to i think the playstation 2 came out in 2001 so that's something like that yeah. a huge leap that's why they're kind of saying now that as the as these new systems come out like playstation 5 is coming out this year the next xbox the graphics are slowly getting to where they're not looking that much better than the prior system because we're starting to kind of reach the ceiling of like comp computer computationally how good graphics can look. Right. Whereas like in older systems, because they were, you know, doubling their processing power, you know, graphics could look twice as good. Now it's like, oh, they look, you know, 20% better. Well, even like, you know, when they have like, PlayStation 5 reveals in the past, you know, a couple months or so. You can show me, you know, like promotional gameplay footage from a PS5 game. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty good. But, like, how much better does it look than when, when they were pushing the PS4? Like, yeah. It's pretty close, in my opinion. The reviews of this game actually were pretty good. Better than some of the other ones on the list. GamePro gave it a 4 out of 5. IGN gave it an 8 out of 10 publication called absolute playstation gave it a 90 percent, but yeah the it's just interesting that like this brand new fighting game engine that was developed <laughs> ended up being used in a game with the wu-tang clan it's just like okay yeah well from what i could tell i mean like not that i have a like a absolutely full view of this game in every aspect of it but it seemed like it was pretty well fleshed out and from the story to the animated cutscenes to the gameplay like it seemed like for for the people who are making these games, you know, they expect some kind of positive review because of, like, oh, people are going to like this game because it has somebody they like in it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like even, like, the gameplay and the graphics and stuff seem to be doing well. So it, it seems like in most of these cases, studios are using this, I guess, partnership or opportunity to kind of put their best foot forward. True. Because, you know, and especially if they're, like, a smaller game studio or something, you know, this may be their best way of getting their name out there. Yeah. If they, you know, can tie one of their titles to a famous name. Very good point. So yeah, that was um, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Shaolin style. So the final game on the list is the game that basically started this whole idea in the first place. As I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the episode, 50 Cent has his own video game, 50 Cent Bulletproof, and it came out in 2005. Uh, It was developed by uh, Vivendi Universal Games, and it was released for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. Uh, It was eventually reworked for the PlayStation Portable. For 50 Cent Bulletproof G-Unit Edition. Yeah, I guess they they made like a top-down, simpler version of the game. Uh, 
called the G-Unit Edition. Also, apparently, in 2009, there was a sequel to this game called 50 Cent Blood and Sand, Blood on the Sand, excuse me, which was made for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. No idea why. Uh, like, I don't know if this game did well enough to warrant a sequel. I think this one, uh, 50 Cent Bulletproof, I think was acclaimed, um, if I remember correctly from what I looked at, it was acclaimed well enough that that's why it got a sequel, because people liked it enough. Uh, I read that um, people seemed to agree that it was that the, the sequel was better, hmm. but despite that, it was a commercial failure and the development studio uh, closed because of it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Definitely not the first or last time that happens in video games. Like one bad video game and it's like, oh, you all lose your jobs now. So I watched, um, I watched like some of the opening stuff and like some gameplay of this. Mm-hmm. I will be honest; it kind of stressed me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just because, like, it, it's one of those shooter games. It's, so it's like a first-person shooter. It was one of those cases where there's just like constantly people shooting at you from all angles, and it's just like constant gunfire. Mm. At least from what I saw. Just like the streets. I guess so, um, and. Uh, I don't know. It was a little overwhelming. Like I've played numerous first person shooters mm-hmm. over time, but I don't know. This one just seemed to like crank it up to 11, like right away. I haven't actually played it though. So maybe that experience would be different if I was behind the controls. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't do well with like, I guess what you would call bullet hell games either, where it's just like constant enemies and just constantly being under fire. Like yeah. there's no like reprieve or like you, you're able to, you know, duck behind cover and take a take a breath. The plot of this game, uh, it revolves around uh, 50 Cent, who is on a search for vengeance against the hitman who tried to kill him. It features members of his G-Unit rap crew as a gang. <laughs> Dr. Dre plays an arms dealer. Uh, Eminem plays a corrupt police officer. And DJ Woo Kid plays himself as a person who's selling bootlegged music. Uh, out of the trunk of his car. So apparently, a soundtrack for this game was also developed called Bulletproof. Mm. I don't know if how much of its development was with uh, 50 Cent, but um, apparently it was good enough that it won Best Original Song at the 2005 Spike MTV Video Game Awards. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know video game award ceremonies had best original song. The whole soundtrack is like eight hours long. I don't know why. Why is it so long? Is this all the music in the game? I think it's like literally all of the music in the game. Wow. That's impressive. Okay. So you two can have eight hours of 50 cent. Well, let's listen to an extremely small percentage of that eight and a half hour soundtrack. The game, surprise, surprise, got mixed reviews uh, due to poor gameplay mechanics, but it was praised for its solid storyline and music. Well, I would hope that the music would be rated well. I know, right? The, it's interesting that the storyline was really well done, but then like it came down to the game mechanics. Yeah. Which is kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, if I if I remember even seeing gameplay of it, it looked a little janky even for the time. But yeah, it's like third person 50 cent with almost cartoonishly muscular arms, even for him. And you just go around constantly shooting everything. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, that is the game 50 Cent Bulletproof, which led to a sequel. Uh, I did find an article about the sequel, and I know you mentioned that the sequel did so poorly that it put the studio that worked on it out of business, but this article is pretty funny because I guess in the sequel, 50 Cent was a bit more involved and a bit demanding, hmm. so there was a lot of development hell for this game as far as just like crunch time and just having to redo stuff because you know so and so wanted this not that and i guess so 50 cent had a lot of creative control is that what i'm hearing yeah pretty much on on top of that obviously the game doing poorly putting the studio out of business kind of you know is a a nail in the coffin for a hellish development process interesting anecdotal aside at least it just that i've heard about the video game industry i have a, a co-worker that at some point in his career worked on one of the Call of Duty games. I don't I don't remember which one. But the studio that developed that game, they obviously studios can will work on multiple games at the same time sometimes because they're in, you know, different uh, uh different yeah. stages of the development process. And he said him and like half of the studio got put on this Call of Duty game. The other half of the studio got put on I think it was like a, a game version of one of the 007 movies that were coming out. Well, because Call of Duty is super successful, everyone that worked on that game got like pretty good bonuses, even though they had to work long hours and stuff. Mm. The people that worked on the 007 game basically got laid off because the game did so poorly. So, but imagine, they were selected basically at random. Yeah, imagine imagine a system like that where basically it's just like you know, the project we decide to put you on could basically mean the end of your job here. Yeah, that I mean, knowing what I do about the video game industry that doesn't really surprise me it's yeah. shitty but yeah yeah, yeah. We, uh, unions well you you live fairly close to activision blizzard right i do they're in irvine did you visit the same time i did um, like visit the campus yeah i visited them once I, but i forgot why i did um yeah with a college group i don't I, I guess you weren't... I don't know if it was with a class or if it was just like, hey, we have a bunch of people Oh, going. you know what it probably was? It was when you were doing that um, that game development class with Adam Road. Remember where you made that goofy get the babies to the chopper Oh, game? maybe it was for that. Because he it was him who took us there. Yeah, that seems like an Adam Road thing to do. Um, yeah, how, how was how was the studio? I never... I, I really don't have any vivid memories of it, um, but it was cool. Um, I went to Obsidian, which is somewhere around here. I forgot where... But yeah, there's a lot of decent, there's some big games to use down here. Uh, and then obviously there's a ton up in LA. Oh, Obsidian but, is there. I think I remember applying for a job there when I was still living down there. Oh, I applied to a handful of positions. Uh, never yeah. got selected. I mean, they're they're more 3DS Max based and stuff, which is right. a little bit outside my field. But yeah, like you were saying, game industry has a lot of horror stories. It's it's one of those industries where it's like misery loves company. Like yeah. <laughs> you're you're miserable while you're there, but it's like because everyone else is miserable too. It's like some sort of soldier in the trenches mindset kind of thing, which I don't know how healthy that is. But well, um, I guess the woes of the video game industry is a topic for another day. True. Um, 
I, I do think doing maybe that like evolution of video game music topic could be pretty cool at some point. Yeah, um, for sure. Until then, though, listeners, um, if there's a game featuring a famous musician or band that we did not talk about today, uh, you should tell us on Facebook and say, hey, Funk Radio, what the heck? Yeah. Um, why didn't you play? Why didn't you play Taylor Swift's Wii Sports? <laughs> Taylor Swift GTA. Yeah, there you go. You can tell us that. Or if you're so mad at us that you can't even speak or type, uh, go to getyourfunk.com. Maybe look up some other episodes that we've done. You know what you can do? You can go to the search bar and type in video games. And there will be some other episodes that come up that we've done in the past. You could also um, go to the search bar and type in Shaq. And you can listen to that episode we did a while back about his rap career. Oh, yeah. I to- I forgot the games that we didn't mention, but probably for good reason. Mm. Remember when Rock Band was a big thing? Yeah. Apparently there was a Beatles-themed rock band and a Metallica-themed rock band. Yeah, so that's one. So we said it. So if you were already typing away that we didn't mention Beatles rock band, then better press that backspace <laughs> then you need a life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that's it for this week, but uh, we will be back another time with something else. This has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Thanks for listening, and uh, tune in bye. next time. And, and bye. Bye.